good afternoon. Today I have the lovely Neil with me. Hi Neil, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi there, um, nice to be here. I'm Neil Broadfoot. I am a crime author based in Scotland. I'm a former journalist, uh, but I'm one of the good ones. I've the Daily Mail down twice. Um, and I currently write the, curly, the Sterling set, I should say, the Connor Fraser series, which follows the exploits of Connor Fraser, who's an ex-PSNI officer who's turned security guard, and me being me, I get him into all sorts of trouble along the way. Did you always know that you wanted to write? Yeah, this is, this is all I ever wanted to do. You know, I, I mentioned about being a journalist to trade, but I only ever got into journalism so I could write while I was working on getting published. So writing's all I've ever wanted to do. It's, you know, it's, it's just been something that I've always done and it's always been the driving factor in any career decisions that I've made. And what gave you the catalyst to sit down one day and say, that's it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to go for it? Oh, uh, um, when I was growing up, when I was very young, uh, Gran actually taught me to read with Batman comics of all things. And I remember sitting on her knee, getting taught how to read through these comics. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And I'd always said to her that I was going to dedicate my first book to her. Uh, but life got in the way, marriage, kids, the usual stuff. And it kind of faded to the sidelines. And my grand passed away. And then we were watching an old family video. And when we were watching it, my grand came onto the screen and she started speaking. And I realized I'd forgotten the sound of her voice. And I don't know what that did to me, but it was a case of, right, I'm doing this now. I don't care what I've got to do. I don't care how I'm going to do it, but this is happening now. I was working at the Scotsman at the time. I took a walk during my lunch break and I went up by the Scott Monument. And I was in such a foul mood thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? I've got to do this. I looked at the Scott Monument and thought, it's a beautiful day. And me being in the mood that I was, I thought, I'm going to throw somebody off the top of that. Right. So I, I wrote the start of what, what became my first book, Following Fast, of somebody coming off the top of the monument. Was it where they pushed? Was it suicide, et cetera, et cetera? And I just chased it from there. Um, and then I did the one thing you're not meant to do. I wrote the first few chapters and I've sent it off. Publisher comes back and says, this is great. Can I see the rest of it? I said, yes. Can, can I have a week to polish it, please? Back home, typing like a maniac to get it finished. Sent it off and eventually through iterations and stuff, uh, Falling Fast went on to be nominated for the Dundee Book Prize and what was the Bloody Scotland Book of the Year Award. And it just kind of went from there. So that was the kind of impetus for it was finding that video and that just drove something in it that said, right, I am doing this now. Wow. <laughs> Think you sat down that day and decided what's been harder than you expected and what's been easier than you expected? Good, good question. Um, harder than expected was probably getting to the initial point of getting published to get any, to get somebody interested because I had this interest and then it kind of wavered and went around and you had to be unpublished to go for the Dundee Prize, you know. So there was all these kind of difficulties and stuff. I, I think the second hardest thing to do for me was because Falling Fast came out because it did get all that notoriety and stuff you know it's all right I'm here I've done this brilliant and then my publisher turned around my publisher at the time turned around and said right that's great do it again and I 
kind of went, ah, okay, how do I do this again? Try to, you know, get back into the rhythm of doing, doing a contract writer. The easiest thing is, I suppose, being accepted in the crime writing community because it's such a strong and the people that are so supportive they walk in and these people who you've read coming up and being an aspiring writer are suddenly saying, oh, Neil, your book, that was great, thanks, come on, you want to go for a pint? That type of thing. So I think that was probably the easiest thing. But overall, I wouldn't say anything's been overly hard. It's just been a great journey. It's been a great journey since 2014 and it's still progressing, so who knows what comes next. The uh, Harrogate the Crime Writing Awards may be the daggers. <laughs> <laughs> One day I can, but hope. You never know. There's some amazing names on there this year, though. <laughs> I've got the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there is. a hell of a strong list this year. <laughs> yeah. um, if you were to be picked up and transported into any of your books, which book would you choose? Oh, God, with what I write. Um, <laughs> probably the children's book that I wrote from a wee girl. Um <laughs> It's a good question, actually. Uh, I, I really do like No Quarter Given, the one that I've just done, the one that's out today, or just out. Um, I kind of went to a different place with that one. Um, but I really wouldn't like to get too close to Connor's world, because as much as he's a nice guy and he tries to do the right thing, he seems to attract a fair bit of trouble. So maybe I'll just, yeah, I, I'll, I'll plead the fifth that I'll stick with. I'll get transported into the kids' book that I wrote from a wee girl and we'll just leave it there. Okay. And if you were able to take out any of your characters for a meal, who would you choose and what would you ask them? None of them. They're all cursed. <laughs> um, they must be uh, one nice um, character. I don't know. Uh, Connor and... No, they are... I'm joking. They are all nice. Um, actually, the one character who centre stage in No Quarter Given actually is a bit character called Polly King, who's kind of Dr. McKenzie's right hand. And Polly was only ever meant to be a bit character, but he kind of he was one of those characters that kept on coming back and tapping me on the shoulder and saying, "Right, more to give. Talk to me more." Um, and he's an endlessly interesting character. Um, so yeah, like, I'd be safe with Polly, I suppose. Um, yeah, so yeah, probably Polly. Um, which character has given you the most difficulty? Sorry. Difficult. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, now you're asking. <laughs> probably Connor. Um, yeah, Connor, mostly because I don't plot or plan. I just go and hope for the best. You know, I'll have a scene, I'll have, I'll have an image in my head, and I'll run there. So Connor probably gets me into the most trouble because he gets himself inveigled in these cases, and I'm the guy that's got to figure out and on with them. That's not always easy. For example, in No Heaven, there's a locked room mystery in a Scottish government building. Um, and it was... I used to work in government and I saw him quite well. And it all went into it by security card key entry and stuff. And I, me being me, I was sitting one day on my lunch break thinking, well, somebody found a body in there. Hmm. But I didn't know how the killer did it, how they got in, how they got out. And it was the perfect locked room mystery. And I spent 
far too long walking around chewing at this from different ways until I figured out how they'd done it. So yeah, Connor gets me in a lot of trouble and I, I, I'll be honest, I make trouble for myself by not planning things, but it's a more fun way to write. Yeah. Um, do you hide any secrets, jokes, messages or Easter eggs in your book? Um, actually, yes. And the one that I've just finished, um, I Violent Ends, which is out later on this year. A friend of mine who I have worked with previously is a really knowledgeable guy on digital technologies and stuff. And I needed a kind of bit of, I needed a technical bit for the plot without giving anything away. So I wrote it and without consciously thinking about it, I put Dave into the book before I knew what I'd done. And then I sent it off to him nervously going, is this okay? You're not gonna sue me or anything, are you? Um, and you know, Dave came back and he was delighted. So there's that type of thing. And there are references to things that friends of mine will get and stuff. And there's references to previous books. For example, in No Quarter Given, Susie Drummond from the Doug and Susie books comes back. So there's that type of thing. But yeah, it's just, you know, something will occur to me at the time and I'll just stick it in or, or I won't know I'm going to stick it in. And then I'll write it and go, okay, well, we're going that way then. So, yeah. <laughs> I love them. I love finding them as well. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good when you get re when you get feedback from a reader going, I see what you did there. That's good. <laughs> What's the most interesting thing you found out while researching your books or the biggest research hole you've fallen down? Oh God. Um good question. Because you you kind of research things as you go and being a journalist to trade, I'm always researching stuff anyway, and I'm approaching research that way. I mean, I've done a lot of stuff on lock picking. I know more than one man should probably know and should probably admit about bombs and incendiary devices, how to bleed people out. I mean, my basically my Google search history, if the coppers ever come for me, it was nice knowing you. Um, but I hear I look good in an orange jumpsuit, so it'll be fine. Um, but no, I mean... I, I can't think of any one thing. I think the key thing about research is you fall down the hole and then you forget about it. Just because you find the half-life of the Brazilian fruit fly endlessly fascinating, don't put a treatise on that fruit fly into your book. Do enough to give it the veneer of credibility and then move on would be my advice. But yeah, I've done, I have fallen down the research hole. Um, actually, in, in um, uh, No Man's Land, in the first one, I had to go back and do a lot of research about the aftermath of the Scottish independence vote in 2014. So I spent quite a lot of time on that. But yeah, you just kind of approach every subject as it comes and then try to forget 90% of what you've done and hope you can clear your browser history before the knock on the door comes. <laughs> Talking about uh, police knocking on your door, you must have killed some of your characters in horrible ways. So if you were to be a fictional killer, how would you kill your victims? Oh, God. Maybe in me it would have to be something poetic. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, I, I don't have a... See, this is going to sound, like, this is going to sound weird, and this is going to be another reason why people are going to be knocking on my door, but I don't know how I'm going to kill someone in the book until I kill them. Or the rough idea will just you know, flash into my head. For example, 
I'm going to put somebody off the divorce book in the series. I'm going to dump a body here. Better, I'm going to decapitate a body and dump it here. But the scary thing is, I don't know where those ideas come from. There must be a wee demon you know, chortling around in the back of my head that throws these things up now and again when situations arise. But I don't know. So I can't answer what's my favourite way because I've probably not come across it yet. So you've never pictured killing someone that you really despise in any particular way? I never said that, and I can't comment on that because <laughs> there might be lawyers watching. And that goes back to the Easter egg story that we were talking about earlier on. There's one killing. I'm not going to mention the book. I'm not going to mention the scenario. But when I worked in newspapers, there's one killing that got me a lot of pints bought for me. I will hasten to add it was a complete work of fiction. Goes without saying. <laughs> but I've got a lot of handshakes, a lot of pats on the shoulders and a lot of pints bought for me. And that's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Everyone's going to be wondering now. <laughs> okay, so if you were fictionally killed, who would you want to solve your case? One of my own characters or any character generally. Up to you, entirely up to you. It would have to be Connor because Connor would bring a fair amount of vengeance with him because we know that Connor's quite a physical guy. So, yeah, I think Connor would get retribution for me. <laughs> Unless he shoot the guy's hand and said, thank you for killing the guy who, you know, put me through all that hell through five books. <laughs> um, when you're editing your books, what's your most overused word or phrase? Um, my characters shrug a lot or nod, and it's a real pain in the neck. I find myself going through the manuscript and going, oh, God, I'll do that again. It's like Connor's got a twitch because he's constantly, Connor nodded. <laughs> Connor shrugged on his jacket. I think maybe I should send him to the doctor in the next book. Um, but yeah, that's the one that I've got to edit out because I do that a hell of a lot. In fact, it's funny you should say that. I've just submitted Violent Ends. And when I was going through it, I was grinding my teeth. Oh, he's nodding again. Oh, he's doing this again. Oh, he's doing that again. But that's what editing's for is to weed all those things out. Don't you have a, a bit of paper at the side of you and say, for God's sake, <laughs> don't make them nod so much? <laughs> I wish it. I wish I had, but I've just got this screaming alarm claxing in my head the entire time. Nodding, nodding. So, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could externalise it, but it's all stuck in there. What's been one of the most fun scenes that you've written and what's been one of the most difficult, obviously without spoilers, if you can? Most difficult, without a doubt, is there's a scene which I'm not going to I'm tell you what it is, but it's a very heavy, very, it's a murder that's witnessed. Um, and it's a very heavy, dark, dark scene. And I remember right thinking, have you gone over the line there? Because I was feeling, you know, there's a bit where Connor screamed the screen saying, move, just breathe. And that was me effectively saying, move, just breathe. Um, so yeah, I've done, you know, I've done that. As for the fun stuff, you know, the fights that I choreograph for Connor are always fun to write. Um, I'm lucky in that I can block them out and I'm working with a guy who is a professional fighter who I will run ideas past him and stuff. Um, but you know, right, I shouldn't admit this, but writing violence and killing somebody is fun. Um, the key is not to be schlocky with it. You know, a fight has to be violent. That's fair enough, because a fight is violent in real life, and it's a horrible, traumatic thing. But if you're pornographic about it, if you're writing, you know, shock porn for the sake of it, 
you kind of got to reel yourself back in. So there's a fine line between the fun that you're having and making it serve the plot and the narrative. And my God, if a psychologist ever watched this interview with me, what they'd make of me. <laughs> if they watched most of my interviews, I think there'd be questions <laughs> for me as well, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> when I was asked how I would kill someone, um, I said that I'd stab them a hundred times without really thinking. And uh, yeah, apparently that means, you know, that that needs looking into someone. <laughs> 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 yeah. So yeah, don't worry. We're all crazy. It's all good. That's I yeah. <laughs> um, since you very first sat down and started to write, what's been your favourite moment and what was your favourite first as an author? I think they're both the same, actually. Um, I actually know they're slightly different. My favourite moment was when I knew Fallen Fast was getting published. It was all coming together and I wrote the dedication for my gran that's in the front of the book. That was my favourite, without a doubt, because it was, it was that moment of something that I'd sworn to do to somebody who meant a hell of a lot to me was done. And that, that was kind of, it wasn't closing a chapter. It was, it was that fulfillment and that completion. And I didn't know how much I needed that until it happened. Um, favorite moment is every time you walk into a bookshop and you see your book on a shelf. You know, I've been really lucky that I've, you know, I've, I've met most of my writing heroes. Um, I've had people who I admire say some really, really nice things about me because of crime fiction and being a writer. I've made some of the closest friendships of my life through that. Um, so yeah, there's just a there's just a stack of good moments. But for my favorite moment, it was writing that dedication and saying, right, I've done it. There you go. Do you get much feedback from your readers? And what's been the craziest or funniest feedback you've ever had? <laughs> yes, they have opinions. Um, which is good. We like opinions. We welcome opinions. Um, we don't welcome folks saying, you know, you kind of turned down that one way street because it's not there anymore. Like, it's a work of fiction. That's exactly the point. Um, not that I'm touchy about that at all. No, no, I'm totally uh, over it, I can tell. <laughs> my favourite bit of feedback was actually in relation to Polly, who we were talking about earlier on. I was doing an event. It was just before lockdown hit. I was doing an event in Dunblane uh, at the library talking to the reading group about the work and the books and there was <laughs> there was this old beer sitting in front and she was basically the stereotype of your elderly Scottish well-to-do woman the cardigan the tweed skirt the pearls the perfectly permed silver hair right the false teeth that gleamed white right the, just the epitome and she sat there just at the front nodding away very attentively taking in everything and at the end uh, are you writing more, Connor, son? And this was when I was talking about uh, the point of no return, which is the one before the one that's out now. Uh, no, sorry, it was before. It was earlier than that. It was no place to die. I was talking about the second book, um, and she said at the end, "And son, are you going to write more?" Yes, I am. Are you going to write Polly's story? Because I really love Polly, and I'd like to know more about it. I said to her, "Yes, you know, I am," because I had the vague idea for no quarter given at that point. She said, is that going to be the next book, son? Said, oh, no, I'm sorry. The next book's point of the return. Polly's after that. She says, well, could you hurry up and write them then, son? Because I might not be around for too much longer and I really need to know what happened with Polly. And I, I remember sitting there. I didn't know whether to burst out laughing or burst out crying because this poor old wee dear sitting there going, go write a bit faster, son. So that kind of, you know, 
talk about getting a deadline. Um, so that was kind of, that was my favourite moment of bloody hell. Uh, so yeah, that was good. You know, if she ever did read it, did you ever hear from her again? No idea. I should check in with, with uh, Dumpling Library, actually. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love old people. They're great, aren't they? They just don't hold back at all. Uh, she was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, the way she came out with it, just so completely deadpan. You're like, well, how do I answer that? <laughs> don't go into the light. You've not read about Polly yet. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, if you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? See, I'm really lucky because I get to do that. Um, I've had wonderful days uh, touring bookshops of Edinburgh with Helen Fields. I've gone for wonderful lunches with Craig Russell. I have had Douglas Skelton's company inflicted upon me. There's a story Thanks, behind that. that. Like, <laughs> this writing lark is crap because I had to meet Skelton. Joking, joking. He's a wonderful man. <laughs> <laughs> in small doses um, no I, I'm lucky in that as I said earlier because of the writing journey I've made a lot of good friends along the way so I get to hang out with them all the time the one on the bucket list would probably have to be Stephen King because I grew up in his books and just to kind of spend a bit of time with him would be something special but as I say I am very lucky in the fact that I get to spend my time with authors who are good friends apart from Skelton <laughs> Um, if you're able to travel to any period of time, either forwards or backwards, where would you go? Oh, God. Um... Oh, God, now you're asking. Um, I honestly don't know. Where would I go? Um... Right, you've stumped me. I officially do not know. The way things are going, I don't want to go to the future because I don't want to see what's coming up next. Um, so it'd have to be backwards. Where would I go? Probably go back to five-year-old me in primary and nurse. Was it primary school? When I was given those scalded pink jotters and told you can write in them and say it's okay, everything will work out. You're not totally mad. That's probably where I'd go. But yeah, I'm definitely not going forward into the future. No way. No. Even getting tomorrow sometimes is iffy. <laughs> so yeah, the future can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine if you tried to sell this as a plot to your editor. No, sorry, too outlandish, too far-fetched. <laughs> exactly. Okay, who was your first celebrity crush? First celebrity crush? Oh, God, now you're asking. These are really tough questions. Um, give me another one and I'll come back to that. I can't think at the moment. Okay, this is going to be a tough one as well, uh, possibly. Where's the funniest or strangest place you've ever woken up? The, the funniest, sorry? Or strangest place you've ever woken up? Funniest or strangest place I've ever woken up? At a bus stop in Las Vegas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not going into that story, but yeah, at a bus stop in Las Vegas. I'm assuming much alcohol was involved. Uh, but I couldn't possibly comment, but my liver filed for divorce when we got home, so, you know. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Um, what are your pet hates? Um, conservatives. Yeah. Pretty standard one. <laughs> Ignorance, intolerance, lies, 
double talk, hypocrisy. Oh God, I am talking about the Conservative Party. Um, <laughs> yeah, that type of thing. Uh, and professionally, a lack of editing. When you read something and it's obviously not been edited, but it's got through, that bugs me. But that bugs me on a professional level because I'll find a rogue comma or something and I find myself grinding my teeth. It's funny, since I started reading more and I started beta reading, then stuff mm. like that started to bother me. Like I notice when books are well edited and when they're not, and I shouldn't because yeah. I was reading them, but I do, I can't help it. No, you can. If you, you know, if you do this as a job, <laughs> I mean, one of the things that I really struggle with is when I'm doing an editing job and something comes back, to then go and read for pleasure and read it without reading it with that close clinical eye and seeing, oh, that shouldn't be there, that shouldn't be there, they could have done that. that. So that's probably our pet hate, but luckily enough, the folk that I tend to read are so good that you kind of get swept away in them and you're off to the races. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I were to ask your friends and family what your worst habits are, what would they say? Uh, he walks around thinking about how to kill people quite a lot. <laughs> or he'll text me a random thing about you know, try to remind me to ask about this method of strangulation or something like that. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, can get can get too much into his own head when he's trying to figure out the problem he set himself in the latest book. Uh, but will we be seeing you at any of the festivals this year? I'll be around. Um, I'll definitely go as per usual. You know, even if I'm not going on a panel, I'll go as a punter because, you know, the festivals, especially now that the pandemic is easing, I'm not saying COVID's away, but it's a good place to catch up with your pals. You know, because as I say, I've got I've got pals in London, Newcastle, some place called Glasgow, yeah. wild, strange place. <laughs> um, it breeds semi-feral people like Skelton. Um, you know, that's sorry, that was a joke. To anybody who was watching from Glasgow, I'm joking. Um, I have family in Glasgow, they're all perfectly fine. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm from Luton, so nothing um, is more feral than Luton. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see Luton and I'll raise you, Derby. Um, yeah, so I've got friends all around the country. So the thing is that the crime festivals for me are a chance that even if I'm not doing something, I will go along and I will meet up with my pals and I'll catch up with them. So I'll be there one way or another. Um, the programmes aren't announced for all the festivals yet. So I don't know is a simple answer to that question about what I'm going to be doing panel wise for the rest of the year. Do you uh, remember who your celebrity crush was yet? I'm still trying to think. For some reason, Sandra Bullock keeps on flashing into my mind, but Sandra Bullock was not my first, but she seems to have made the biggest impression. Don't know why. I'll come back on and tell you the next thing because I'll be prepped for that question. Yeah, oh, I would have different questions next time. This isn't all my tricky questions. They're all in here. <laughs> <laughs> come on then, give me one more tricky question. Let's see if I can get one more. Um, if someone held up uh, gun to your head at, the, at a party and said you had to perform, what would you do? I'd sing because they'd die in excruciating agony. <laughs> I'm sure you're not that bad. Oh, you have no idea. Blood <laughs> and brains oozing from their ears, yes. <laughs> fair enough. I'd save myself, so it'd be fine. Yeah, fair enough, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so what's coming next for you? Um, well, I've just delivered Violent Ends, which is the fifth Connor book, which will be my eighth book, which is still quite amazing. Um, so that's coming out later on in the year. And then there's more Connors in the offing. And I've got a few standalone projects kicking around in my head. And the other thing I really have to do is my oldest, closest friend, when we were growing up together, <laughs> um, he was an artist. Well, he is an artist. He's a graphic designer. And I said to him, with all the arrogance of youth, I'll write the books, you do the covers. And we eventually got to do it because he took over the design. And my third Doug and Susie book, All the Devils, Joe was given full license to do the cover for that. Played an absolute blinder of a cover on it. So we managed to do that. But I always said that I owed him a scary horror novel, an old Stephen King style horror novel. So that's kicking around in there as well. Awesome. <laughs> well, you may be relieved to know I don't have any more questions for you at the moment, unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you that you want to tell us. First rule of crime writing, never admit anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm surprised you lot willingly come on and be interviewed. Like <laughs> it's good fun. They can usually get something out of you that you don't expect to be telling me, so that's good. I've achieved my <laughs> aim then when I start. <laughs> <laughs> so, would you like to tell everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can get your books from? Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at NLBro. I'm on Facebook uh, as Neil Broadfoot author. Um, I am. I do have a website, but I'm terrible at updating it, which is neilbroadfoot.com. Um, but if you put my name in, you'll find it probably in relation to something horrible, but, you know. Um, and other than that, my books are available in all good bookshops, and this is the one that just came out in paperback. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. <laughs>